Hey, it is 3 after 10. Joining us now, our good friend, Mr. Al Bat. I don't know about you, Al. We got eight inches of snow here in Mankato area. What's going on over in Heartland? Did you get much snow? Yeah, we probably got right around what you did there. Okay. So it uh, it just kept coming and coming, and it was a busy day. Everything was going on at one time, as it always does. Um, whenever things happen, they all decide to happen at once. I don't know what law there is. It's not really a Murphy's Law, but if you... You know, if you get invited out for dinner, you'll get invited out to three places the same night. It just is one of those uh, wonderful things. It's um, definitely winter or winter-like here in Minnesota, but uh, I saw some rusty blackbirds yesterday in my yard, and I'm always happy to see them. They're uh, uh, a bog bird, B-O-G, is where they nest, but it's they're an odd bird in that to my eye, they become much more beautiful when they are no longer in their breeding colors, which is so strange for most birds because mm-hmm. most birds are dressed in their finest when they're out there uh, trying to uh, to hook up with somebody. So it's, uh, <laughs> I'm just happy to see these guys. And uh, they sang about Blue Jay Dreams. Is that Did I hear that right? Yes. Do bl- right before? Yes. Do Blue Jays have blue- dreams or do people, is it talking yeah. about the people's Blue Jay dreams maybe? I, that's what I'm, well, my question was going to be. <laughs> uh, I think of probably the Blue Jays, you know, I, I can say this about uh, Blue Jays. I watched the other day, I was walking in a small city and I was watching the Blue Jays as they flew from one yard to another yard. They were going down the city street there, just going from one backyard to the other backyard. And they sampled the fare at various bird feeders as if they were running a trap line where they had to check each trap to see what kind of sunflower seeds they had caught during the night or maybe some peanuts. And I I get the feeling that jays share one belief. No matter where you see a blue jay, it believes the same thing. It shares it with all other jays, and I think that belief is that jays are wonderful. And uh, I have to join with them. I think they're they're, um, exceedingly interesting, and they are so pretty. And on some of these dull uh, days, uh, I shouldn't say dull days, gray days, and they just brighten up that gray day with their uh, beautiful blue skies of summer and their plumage. So I'm always happy to see them. Herb Dingman was in Steele County, and he saw a cackling goose, a ringneck duck, and a common golden eye. Oh, I love common golden eyes. Uh, Hemingway wrote about them, and see if I can remember it. They have sibilant wings, and he wrote that when golden eyes flew, they made the sound of ripping silk. And uh, I just thought that was, uh, I'm I'm happy I can remember that. I'm pretty sure that's the way it went. Uh, Herb also saw in Lesseur County, belted kingfisher, Chad Hines of Mankato, uh, spotted a golden crown kinglet. And Tom Bovers, a good friend from Faribault, had a rose-breasted grosbeak still hanging around. And Art Straub of Lesseur had a, I think he still has it, a Baltimore Oriole. Uh, Ray Faber, who lives, I believe, in Winona now, said, I came home early nursing a cold. At about four in the afternoon, there was a loud crash from a bedroom. 
I assumed that the cat had destroyed something, as it usually does, and didn't bother to investigate. My wife, Lola, came home a few minutes later, went into the room, and screamed that the window had exploded. Glass was strewn halfway across the room. She started carefully picking up glass shards while I started cutting cardboard to seal up the opening. After a few minutes, she screamed again that there was a grouse in the room. Yes, indeed, a grouse was perched in the back of the room on a shelf. I carefully approached and was able to grab it. I held it firmly to restrain the wings and started to move it outside after a couple of photos, but then it collapsed and could not be recovered even with a heart massage. Sometimes birds die of stress just in handling. I've seen it all now. Yeah, man, uh, we had a rooster pheasant do that at our house, Ray, so... I kind of know what you're going through. Uh, Tim Scott. Tim sent me a wonderful article from the New York Times. And it's, uh, again, it's in their magazine. Uh, It's called The Insect Apocalypse. And if uh, some folks like me are concerned about uh, the apparent lack of insects, and I don't just go by what I'm noticing here. There's a lot of science coming in now. So, And I've heard from so many people who just say, I don't get the insects on my windshield. So we heard from a lot of windshield scientists. And Tim said the article certainly mirrors his life experience with all of nature. Uh, Marion Ball of Faribault said, uh, I heard that there's a Baltimore Oriole hanging around. Do you think he will survive the winter here? I'll bet it's a wonderful surprise to see him against the snow on a day like today. Uh, I do know there are some. Um, There were four sightings last winter. I believe they were all in northern Minnesota, but we've had a few of them here now in southern Minnesota. Orioles, I know the one uh, gentleman is putting out grape jelly for the Oriole. Uh, Orioles will eat suet, too. Uh, If it can find enough to eat it has a chance albeit a slim one the night is where the problem comes the nights are cold here trying to find a warm roosting spot that's a problem so i hope the weather warms a bit more and that that oriole hightails it out of here is there a way you can Uh, make like a little nesting area or or site that they could maybe have a better chance i know sometimes you say put branches like evergreen branches out or arborvitae branches trees and things like that that gives birds a little bit of shelter is do you have any suggestions for people who want to maybe try to help them yeah, the the best way I guess is just to have some um, normal tangles growing there. Uh, uh, an unkempt yard is okay. probably <laughs> most helpful, and uh, that doesn't always go over well. But if you have some area where there are some, oh, I think of like raspberry canes and where they kind of grow, and uh, you have some other things that are vining around, and if there's some thick area there, another one that's really good and that birds really like are cedar trees. I was going to say, fly into those the brambles. Send them to the brambles. That's always a good spot. Brer rabbit, please don't throw me into the brambles. <laughs> it, yeah, cedars are. And I know I've mentioned this before, but when I, I'm a walker, when I go for a walk on some cold days where you can't make your nose stop running because mm-hmm. there's just enough of a wind that finds your nose, no matter how you hide it. When I come into a cedar grove. It's like walking indoors. It just 
it cuts the wind and if uh, oriole or another bird can find a way to get maybe up against the trunk of that tree and the oriole the, the poor thing also has to put up with predators at this time of year and this is uh, as far as I know at least two of these are males so they they will certainly stand out, but uh, I hope they make it. And they got a lot of things going against them to begin with, and then they just uh, make a mistake. But who who knows why they're still here? Uh, Hillary Reinhardt uh, from Mankato said, "My son Tim Reinhardt has game cameras on his farm, usually capturing deer and their movements. But he was surprised to see one of his cameras caught this flying squirrel in action at night." And Hillary sent me a photo. It's um, like like a squirrel ghost. It's really a cool photo. It's in midair flying or soaring, as they do. And it's just a rocket jay squirrel. Uh, Hillary goes on. He said, are these squirrels common in southern Minnesota? We'd enjoy hearing your comments regarding the same. Uh, Hillary, there are two kinds of flying squirrels in Minnesota. The northern which you might expect is in northern Minnesota, and the southern elsewhere. And the southern flying squirrels are found typically in hardwood forests, but they're seldom seen uh, because they're nocturnal. They're just out when we're not out. I've seen a number of them from the Twin Cities north, but I haven't seen a one around here. I figured uh, trail cams will find them, but, boy, not so much. But there has to be some around here. I remember sitting at a friend's house in, uh, I think, uh, probably Edina. And at a certain time each night I stayed there, he would turn on the light, and here would be these little, cute little guys. They're very small, and they're at the feeders. They would soar in each night, and they were not very afraid of us at all. So it was the best looks I'd ever had in any, I guess, in Minnesota at that time. I've seen quite a few since. But uh, Hillary also said, once again, my son Tim, who lives in Lesseur, saw this unusual sight this morning at the feeder. Isn't it unusual to see Orioles here in November? We had Orioles here in Mankato during warmer weather, but see none once it turned colder. And again, this is a male Oriole, Baltimore Oriole. And, uh, yeah, Hillary, it is unusual. And, you know, I look at the photos, and uh, I I bring back my mom's words, poor thing. <laughs> we, we used to hear that in my family. The, the ladies would just, uh, poor thing, whether it was a... Uh, a fellow that was down on his luck or a three-legged dog. It was poor thing. And again, uh, they do eat suet. And now if you put out a bar of suet or something, a log of suet, there's no guarantee that it will come to that. I would guess if you put out one of those suet feeders that holds peanut butter or suet, because I know down in Texas they feed the Orioles peanut butter. They Everything, I think, likes peanut butter. But it's uh, an oriole is a member of the blackbird family, so it's a tough bird. But you know, this is no place for a tropical bird to be. It's just it's tough. Did you get Arlene my Carr. L, Did you get the email I sent yes. you that I got from the old farmer's almanac? It it was a great. You bet. It I was sure homemade oh. bird food recipes. It says make your own bird food, and it had some great recipes. Yep. For suet, it said for Jack Dudley's woodpecker pudding. 
a fine feathered entree and junko cornbread and I thought or junko cornbread and I thought I wonder if Al has ever made any of these because they sound pretty simple and I think it's something I'm going to do with my son Blake who likes to cook and instead of cooking for us I think we're going to make a little bit for the birds so I wanted to just mention that it go to the it's the old farmer's almanac and type in homemade bird food recipes and it's just got these great recipes for birds and I, I sh- kind of send it to you for you to look at and say now is this good advice or is this you know fake science or something I want to make sure I'm not sending people to a wrong you know thing for birds that it won't do them any good so I wanted to make sure it was a, a positive thing I, I think they were all good. Um, some folks will have to find um, lard. I know right. they call them uh, drippings in one, drippings are lard. There's a jungle cornmeal recipe, and they, oh, I love cornmeal. Man, I just, now I'm hungry for cornmeal. I just, maybe I'll make up one of these things and just eat it myself. <laughs> but it's a real simple one, and you can find these online, but it, the jungle cornmeal is like two cups of cornmeal, two teaspoons of baking powder, a half cup of fat, that means drippings are lard, and then three cups of water, and they just mix them all together and bake them and yeah, now, put it out, and it's a cornmeal for birds. So now, does that do you set that out? Is it like a little cake then? Um, and do you put it in on a little it is. Uh, uh, one of those feeders that you just set it on top, or how? Do, I mean, how do you? Because it's it's like like I said, a little cake, so it's not like seed. So what would you put it on? And that's what I've done, and it's a wonderful thing and a fun thing to do with kids, and that's what uh, we have done with these things in the past. And I just put them on a little tray feeder of some kind, and I don't know if the Junkos got to eat much of what I put out. <laughs> I think that's just a name for it, but um, Blue Jays, if I remember correctly, came in and ate a bunch of it, and then when I went back in the house, a crow flew down and uh-huh. took the rest of it, the whole cake. In Started one of those recipes, Al, it said the for the fine feathered entree, it says you need three parts melted fat, suet preferred. Well, I thought suet, well, is suet lard then, or is suet something different than lard? Because the other one, it says lard. So I'm just confused about what is suet then compared with melted fat and, and lard. Yeah, and you can uh, you can get suet if you go to a local grocery store or things. Uh, these are different than the little... We're used to these little square things in the bird feeding section of our favorite store. They have those, and they'll put different things in there. But, uh, yeah, suet to me is uh, uh, just a fat that has not been melted down yet. Oh, okay. So I always think of lard as a melted stuff uh, my mom used to, or my grandma. We're sitting there celebrating her 90th birthday, and she's fixed breakfast for everybody, and then... Uh, after breakfast, she's taking those biscuits that she made, and she's dipping them in the bacon grease. So she's eating biscuits and lard, pretty much. And uh, I, I'm sure it was real good, but I thought, man, Grandma, you should have keeled over like 14 <laughs> or something. But they worked hard. But I, it's all those, every one of those will certainly work. And one of the best things about every one of those is that they lend themselves for doing things with kids and loved ones. And it's just a, a, a wonderful thing. I think suet, if, well, if we go back, my dad would tell me about that because uh, the family would uh, butcher, grandpa would butcher a lot of things. 
and I think it was like the hard, waxy fat around the kidneys and loins in uh, you know sheep or cattle or anything like that. And that's uh, they used it in cooking and making tallow and things like that. But I believe it was around the kidneys and loins is where they typically got that. But each and every one of those, it's a, a wonderful thing that they did this. And you won't be overwhelmed with 97. I think there's, what, four or five recipes were on there. And they're all pretty simple. So it's, uh, yeah, and woodpecker pudding, I just uh, think about that being the baby of the family. When I got my pudding, it would be the one that had the beaks in it. So being at the end, I would my woodpecker pudding. But woodpecker pudding sounds good. Jack Dudley's. I bet Jack all his life was hoping that one day he would have a, a woodpecker pudding named after him. So, and it came to that. But in it's a- another one that you use suet, peanut butter, corn syrup, and rolled oats. The only thing I could think to add to that was add some chocolate chips and and take away the suet because I'm you uh. know don't eat but. Well, no, that would be just like candy because you'd have rolled oats, corn syrup, and Ew. peanut butter with what? Ew. Are you saying that's Ew. not tasty, Al? No, I'm saying that's not tasty at all. No. <laughs> I I, I, you know, the, the lard sounds really good. See, that's so the you, part I'd yeah. remove. <laughs> yeah, and I, I grew up, but like a lot of folks, we ate pies, and they were made, the crusts and things were made, there was a lard crust. And when we go uh, southeastern Minnesota, we typically have to pick up a pie or something that has lard involved in one way or another, and uh, just enjoy it. It brings back um, uh, memories, because my family, when we'd all get together on a weekend, we had a pie table, not just a a pie. We had a pie table, and uh, all my aunts were bringing a pie, and... uh, it was one of the hardest jobs of my life, walking along, trying to determine which one of those pies I should eat. Cause, uh, <laughs> there were so many of us that went pretty fast, so you got uh, got your choice, and you had to make it wisely. Arlene Carr of Northfield sent me a couple of photos, and thanks, everybody, for all the wonderful photos. Uh, one was of a beaver dam near Northfield. And the other was uh, about a magpie when she was visiting Jackson Hole, Wyoming. So thank you for those, Arlene. Arlene is uh, very um, active in our native, in a, a native plant society. Somebody uh, asked this the other day, and then when I, they asked me, I realized I've been asked this question by about 15 people this uh, recently. And it's pretty much the same question. It says, why do some Canada geese migrate so late? Because, well, you're out there and it's around Christmas and you look up and here they're honk-a-lonking along. And you say, wait, what are you doing? You should have been out of here a long time ago. What, what are you thinking? Well, some Canada geese don't migrate at all. And those that do migrate are short-distance migrants. And they can take the cold. They have all that down that we'd have to pay a a bundle to get a coat that was as well insulated as theirs. But temperature and the resulting iced-covered water uh, can influence their timing. So if you're uh, here, you're a Canada goose and things are going good, you're flying out to a cornfield every day and you're finding some corn still on the ground and you're finding things to eat, but if your water all freezes over, you have to go somewhere else. 
So this can happen at various times during the year. So if it happens late, then they just say, boy, we got to go. We're going to need to go to Iowa, and away they go. So that's when we're stepping outside to get the mail, and we look up and we say, what are those idiots doing flying south now? What's wrong with them? But that's the reason. They're kind of forced to. It's like they're evicted. The landlord came along. You have not paid your rent, so I am going to ice over your lake. So you're out of here. Here's a um, somebody uh, texted me, and it's a, a great one that a master gardener would come into, too. But don't deer eat ferns? My brother-in-law, who knows everything, uh, <laughs> of I'm, I'm not going to say the name now, uh, my brother-in-law, who knows everything, says they will not eat ferns. Hmm. Uh, you know, deer will eat most any plant if they're hungry enough. And anybody that has uh, any kind of a yard, I'm sure, has found this out if deer can get to it. They eat arborvitae in the winter, so if they can eat that, they can eat anything. However, ferns and some ornamental grasses seem to do well because they aren't their preferred fare. And this time of year, they would not be eating the ferns anyway, as the ferns are kind of yeah. out of business right now. But I'm sure they're asking about in the summer. And, boy, we have a lot of ferns here, and the deer do not bother them. But I don't... I, I don't think they would uh, have a problem eating them if, if they got hungry enough. Um, someone asked, what is a duck test? Yeah, man, I, you know, I'm guessing the duck test is the duck test that I know. I hope there's not another new duck test, like a digital duck test involving some sort of digital device that I'm not aware of, which is highly possible. But to me, the duck test is a form of reasoning. Uh, I think they call it abductive reasoning. If it looks like a duck, swims like a duck, <laughs> and quacks like a duck, then it's probably a duck. So I hope that was your question, because if it was something else, boy, please you know, drop me another email, and I'll try to answer that. A listener said, enjoy listening to you on KMSU with Karen. Well, we enjoy you listening. Are there any bird-friendly sports arenas? Yeah, well, we've mm. had uh, a battle with uh, going on here in the state with arenas and things. But there is a new arena called the Pfizer Forum. where It's where the Milwaukee Bucks play, oddly enough, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And it's... <laughs> It's it's a victory. It's the world's first bird-friendly sports entertainment venue, and this is a victory for bird conservation because up to one billion birds in the U.S. die annually due to uh, collisions with glass. And scientists estimate that this total accounts for five to ten percent of the bird population in this country. Five to ten percent. So addressing this destruction is vitally important, not only because of the inherent value of birds, but also because birds reduce pest populations, pollinate plants, disperse seeds, and they captivate millions of people with their breathtaking beauty and fascinating behavior. The Pfizer Forum has set a new precedent for bird-friendly building design, but I still will never be a Milwaukee Bucks fan, but <laughs> I'm a fan of their arena now. So, which is a good thing if you got to like one or another, I guess. Um, 
what kind of bird is a snowflake? Somebody asked. Sometimes snowflakes, uh, sometimes snow buntings are called snowflakes because they resemble snowflakes as they swirl through the air before settling on winter fields. And uh, I see them sometimes. I haven't seen any here yet, but uh, they should be around here somewhere. But it looks as if they're racing my vehicle. They just keep rolling on ahead before I finally give up. And uh, a lot of times they're beating me, too. So that's kind of the sad part. If we were racing for pink slips, a snow bunting would be driving my Subaru today. So it's. Uh, but I do thank everybody for your... Uh, it's great to hear from you. Oh, man, you, you take some uh, wonderful photos. Uh, somebody asked... Uh, about a photo I'd taken if I'd post it, and I'd put it on uh, Twitter uh, here. So if somebody, I forget which photo it was, but uh, I try to put uh, photos on Twitter, and I'm not on there. Uh, oh, how could I be kind? I'm not on there uh, agitating at all. So I'm just on there showing photos and things, because I have a lot of friends on there who are on there for other reasons, and um more power to we each have our own place but mine are just pretty much photos and maybe a little uh, nature lesson here and there so other than that are you on twitter no i don't do twitter i'm uh facebook is plenty enough to keep me um uh dis- yep. distracted i would say that would be the word yes so i don't need any more distractions Twitter's- <laughs> Twitter's shorter, I guess. Yeah. I, I got on there b- because of a newspaper that I write for. Uh. That's how I ended up on Twitter. So, But it's uh, it's kind of fun. I post a couple of photos every day. and it, um, You hear from a lot of nice people that uh, I kind of stay in touch with. That maybe, uh, you know, people move around and you lose track of them. So. Do you have billions of followers, Al? Is that what you're saying? I'm just curious if you have billions and billions. I think I have like eight. Oh, okay. You, and eight. your wife is but among the, them, I'm, I'm sure? Yeah, they're they're all relatives. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's nice. one guy I owe money. He just wants to keep track of me. So. Oh, my goodness. I hope everybody will come to the cafe today where the food chain is missing a few links, especially as always a Heimlich maneuver and gravy is considered a beverage. And now featuring authentic leftovers with less air in the food and real cup holders where grease is good and none of the food smells like feet. Well, hardly any of it. I have a wonderful neighbor named Bruce, and whenever I pass his driveway, I think of things. Thoughts occur to me. It's a thinking point out there. There's a hotel. The rats used to fight with the cockroaches in this hotel, and I stay in it regularly. And the lodging had that musty smell of age. So each time I went into the hotel, I expected to hear Betty Davis saying, as she did in the movie Beyond the Forest, what a dump. (laughs) Why do I stay there? Well, it's a handy location. It's reasonably priced. But the hotel got a new owner who spruced it up and evicted the rats and cockroaches. I was worried, but so far they've let me stay. Remember, folks, Heartland is always driving past. Thanks for having nothing better to do than to listen to me today. Do something wild. Get out and look at a bird. Karen, I enjoyed your company uh, immensely, so thanks for all you do. Hey, I got a question. Are you doing any more talking gigs or speaking gigs anytime soon that people might be able to find you? 
someplace? Yeah, yeah I sure am. I got one coming up uh, uh, December 15th, I know. I'm doing one at the Albert Lee Seed House. going to be talking about birds and uh Pretty much whatever anybody wants to talk about is what we're going to be talking about there. And uh, be ringing the bells. My wife and I will be doing that uh, consistently during the month of December. So if you uh, see some tall galoot that, I don't know, a skinny Santa Claus, that that could be me. So even if it's not me, just go up and uh, say hi. Uh, I appreciate all the folks that ring the bells for the Salvation Army. It's a a wonderful organization. uh, But if you are in Albert Lee, I will be at the Seed House at 9.30 a.m. And Albert Lee Seed House is a wonderful, wonderful place. You will find something of interest to look at there. Well, Al, it's always great having you on the show. We'll be back again with you next week. Thanks. Talk to you soon. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye.